and um, Lord gave me this quite some time back, and I just really felt impressed to share it with you today. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, and this is the New King James, he said, Now, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you're willing and obedient, You shall eat of the good of the land, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken this. He said, now come now, let us reason together. I believe what the Lord is telling us there. He says, I want you to come get with me and let's make a deal. And that's what I want to preach to you about. Let's make a deal. Hallelujah. Anybody like deals? Don't you, don't you hate it that when you go buy something, you buy a, a shirt or a blouse or whatever, you know, and you, and you get home and the next day you find it on sale for 50% off? I love those return policies. You know, if you bring it back, Target, right? If you bring it back in 30 days, you got it. You know, I, I love deals. That's why they made TJ Maxx, right? You know, never pay retail for anything. I got clothes in my closet, and the reason I feel great about them because I got them at Goodwill, but nobody would ever know. Feel like I got a deal because somebody paid $35 for that shirt that I paid $3 for, right? Praise God. And, you know, um, but, you know, deals usually, you know, we, we want deals to work out for us, Right? We want, we want to be good. Sister Valley, what, what kind of car do you drive? A Ford Focus. What year? 2015. I don't know how much it's worth. 10000 15000 Well, I, I got a deal for you. I got, I got a 1995 <laughs> Chevrolet Malibu, 350,000 miles. I don't know that that's possible, but anyway. Maybe a Toyota, right? Uh, and we could just swap it. Would, you, don't, you don't think that'd be a good deal, huh? Well, I, I don't think it'd be a good deal either, except for me. But, you know, that's exactly what the Lord did for us. You know, he, he's saying, come on, I, w- I want to make a deal with you, though your sins are like scarlet. I'm going to make them white as snow. Well, wait a minute. What do I have to do? There's a trade-off in everything, okay? You know, people talk about, you know, I think there's a big push in the government, you know, we want free this and free. There's no such thing as free, right? Somebody's got to pay for it. We just want somebody else to pay for what I get, right? And so he said, though your sins be, he said, let us reason together. That's unreasonable, Lord, that you would take everything of mine and give me everything that you've got. In, in Matthew chapter 11, he said, come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. One translation said, weary and burdened. Anybody felt like that a little bit? Weary and burdened. 
and I will give you rest. Huh? Take my yoke. Here's the trade-off. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I will, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wow. So in other words, I can unload on God. And I'll tell you what he's telling us right here. He wants you to unload on him everything you can't handle. I'm telling you, I've, I've put some burdens on me that was bigger than, than I could deal with. I found myself, you know, the Bible says God won't put on us anything to bear, but I'll tell you what, I put on some stuff for myself that was bigger than I could handle. And he's saying, I want you to come dump all of that on me and I'm going to give you rest. <laughs> wow, what a deal. Just, just come give me all your sorrows and, and that's talking about our anxieties, all those things that we can't handle. He said, but I've got a trade-off for you. I want to give you that that I've commissioned people to do. You mean, what do you want me to do, Lord? I want you to go and spread my word. I want you to be a light in the darkness. I want you to show the real power of redemption that can happen in humanity. Oh, but God, I don't know that I can do that. But here's the better part of the deal. I'm going to be in you, and I'm going to be manifesting myself through you, and you won't even have to do it by your own power. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes we look at God's promises and his, his word and his commandments and we think, wait a minute, Lord, that's just too big for me. But God will never put on you more than you can bear. Not going to happen. Matthew 6 says, which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his statue? I'm sure nobody's worried this year. Nobody here. No problems, right? No anxiety. No. Well, if you don't, you don't look at the news. You don't leave the house. You don't go to work. Right? You've just been a shut-in. Uh-oh, but you're here. Cat's out of the bag. But which of you can... Now, think about it, though. But who can... Do anything about anything by worrying about it. Now, I'm going to say this, and I know we worry, and I say, you know, my wife, I'm worried about so-and-so. And, and, and what she's just saying, I understand, is just I'm concerned, right? And I think we need to be concerned. But sometimes there's a level between concern and worry where we just do more worrying and we call it spiritual. Worrying is not being spiritual. Worrying many times is just pure unbelief. Hello. He said, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Now, 
I, I know that we don't worry about that stuff, right? Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? <laughs> I think there's been more family fights about where we're going to eat after church than anything else. We used to get in the car when the girls were kids or teenagers or whatever, you know. Where are we going to eat? And I'll say, I don't care. And then I'll say, well, let's go so-and-so. I don't want to go there. Well, you must care where we're going then, right? Well, what about here? And before you know it, there ain't no other place to go. Well, let's just go home. Forget it. I'm I'm so glad that my wife, they'll sit down and plan out meals. Don't you hate it when you come home and say, what are we going to have tonight? I don't have a clue. Thank God Popeye's just built right down the street from us. It it has been a good time. The Lord sent Popeye's just for me. I love Popeye's. But let me tell you what anxiety is. is when I went the other week and I went through the drive-thru and they didn't have any red beans and rice. You're Popeyes. You can't run out of red beans and rice. And then the other night, just two nights ago, I went and I ordered the the new ripping chicken. I wasn't sure what it was, just a chicken breast ripped up and fried, and man, it looked good. So I ordered that and an order of the uh, blackened tenders. Man, those are really good. Two orders of red beans and rice, some fries, and boy, we we've got it. Get home. We got our grilled chicken. We got our red beans and rice and a whole box of French fries and no ripping chicken. I was wanting to rip. (laughs) I was wanting to rip and roar. Now, let me tell you what I did. My wife said it's because I was in the church van. It had First Pentecost Church on the side of it. I, I went back through the driveway the next day, and I took the chicken. I didn't, I took the box of French fries. I didn't give it back to them. I said, I just wanted to share this with you. And so I just shared what was going on. They said, sir, I remember that. Would you please just anytime you come through, we'll give you a free order. Praise God. I probably won't do it. But that's anxiety, right? But, you know, he said, why are we worrying about what we're going to eat and what shall we drink? Is it going to be Coke, sweet tea, Sprite? It'll all be water, right? Or what shall we wear? Oh, Lord, there's more females than there's males in here this morning. Come on, don't tell me you just walked in and said, I don't care what I'm wearing. I'm just going to just grab something off the show. Hey, I had to sit there and think about it a while. Now, what am I going to wear? I'm going to tell you why I wore this shirt. I don't know if this matches or not. I think anymore you can make your own fashion. Just put something together. Used to, these, you know, patterns and this didn't go. I don't, you know. I wore this shirt because uh, the Coons bought this shirt for me years ago. Praise God. He said, for after all these things the Gentiles seek. They worry about these things. They worry about what they're going to have. They're going to worry about the food. And the, you, know, I, you know, somebody said, should we store up food? I said, well, that's fine. Great. You'll eat it. 
But the problem is, people are talking about storing up food. You can never store up a food if, if suddenly our food supply was caught off right now. You think, man, I got, a, I got enough food to last me for six months. You're going to be eating a lot of beans, right? Not going to be sitting down having a smorgasbord of all the things that we have or whatever, you know. And we worry about those things. He said, for after these things, that's what the Gentiles worry about. But here's what I want you to do. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. But this is our responsibility. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. I don't have to worry about the physical issues of life. He's already going to take care of me. Praise God. He said this, For therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In, in the NAS it says, Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that the truth? Praise God. Why do we seek first the kingdom of God? Because the Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's not the color of the carpet and the walls and the seating and all of that. And thank God for a good building. This church has done an awesome job. This pastor and this pastor's wife, they have done an awesome job. They have such a burden for this. I appreciate uh, uh, Wyatt getting in and working and all of you that are helping. And, and we appreciate the part that we played in, in, in doing all this. But let me tell you something. We can build the most beautiful edifices. We can build uh, and have the nicest carpet, the nicest seat and all of that but all of that would matter nothing if we did not have the presence and the power of God Lord I want your power when I was worshiping here today in this and the uh, praise singers did such an awesome job today. I wasn't worried about anything that was going on around. I just was enjoying uh, the power and the glory of God. Let me tell you what, church. This building won't change the world, but what's in you will. This building is not going to reach the society around us, but God's experience through the power of His Spirit will change others through us. Hallelujah. Um, in James, he said, humble yourselves, therefore, in the name of the Lord, and he will lift you up. There's that trade. All you got to do is humble yourself. Humility is evidenced in submission. When you submit yourself to the Lord, humility is not dragging your head and all that kind of stuff. Because you've got to remember that humility has to be present for true repentance to happen. Okay? Humility has got to be. You have got to submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Peter said this, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. When we humble ourselves, we're giving God permission to do his will and his work. But wait a minute, sometimes we get a little bit anxiety about, God, what are you going to do through me? We talk about uh, Jeremiah went down to the potter's house and he took the clay and molded whatever vessel he was. And we'll say, God, mold us to whatever you want to be, but I don't want to be that. 
and we submit our list to him. Hello. Yeah. Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares. Jesus is ready to make the deal of the century for you. He's already made the deal for us that we can have all of his blessings and most of all we can have everlasting life because Jesus is the greatest deal maker there ever was. Listen to this. Jesus was the judge of men yet he, he was led dumb to the, uh, like a lamb to the slaughter. He was the savior of all yet he was crucified for all. He knew no sin, yet he bore the sins of the whole world. He saved others, yet would not save himself. He was incarnate wisdom, yet was called a fool. He was the king of glory, yet the only crown he wore in this world was made of thorns. He was the prince of peace, yet called a disturber of the peace. He was the Lord of the Sabbath, yet was called a Sabbath breaker. He was the truth, yet he was called a liar. He was the line of the tribe of Judah with the power to crush every kingdom, yet he would not break a bruised reed or put out a smoking flax. He poured out all the earth's rivers and streams, yet he cried, I thirst. He put on humility and humanity that we might put on deity. He was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He put on corruption that we might put on incorruption. He put on the earthly that we might put on the heavenly and he put on mortality that one day you and I would put on immortality. I think we need to lift our hands and our hearts to the Lord and thank Him that He's worked the greatest deal in all the world for us. That deal that we might be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One of the most beautiful scriptures in the Old Testament is in Isaiah chapter 15. When He it's a beautiful, beautiful description. Isaiah was such a messianic prophet. He's the one that said, when I quoted it earlier, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. You could see the progression of his revelation because when he started prophesying, he was probably only about 20 years old. And now he's probably in the later stages of his life. And he begins to describe, he said, Talking about Jesus in verse 3 of Isaiah 53, he is despised and rejected of men. We're talking about our Savior here today. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But here's our response. We hid as if it was our faces from him. You know, I've thought about it before and I thought, wow, what would it have been like to have been in Jerusalem? During that time, I think we all would have loved to have seen the miracles. We'd all would have loved to have been there when, when you know, he, he just took a little spit and some mud and put it in a guy's eyes and he goes and washes it. And you just see that miracle stopping the funeral possession of the widow of name and, and just says, you know, and, and right there, taking a
to bury him. He's ready for burial. And he stops it and raises him from the dead. But what about being there when he was beaten? Hmm. What about being there when, when he was on Calvary's cross? And you know what? This is exactly what the disciples experienced in their own spirit. This is exactly what was happening inside of them. Because you, you talk about a feeling of hopelessness and helplessness. I'm, I'm watching my Lord be crucified right now because they had built up three and a half years of dreams of how God, He was going to come and they asked Him, are you going to come at this time and restore the kingdom to Israel? And He said, I'm really not going to answer you. Because that's not your concern right now. He said, but I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go you therefore into Jerusalem and wait until you're endued with power from on high. You know what? There's a lot of things happening in this world right now that we can't do one thing about. But I'll tell you what we can do. We can be endued with His power. And we may not change the world. But God can use us to change some people in the world. Hallelujah. This is what he said. We hid our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. You can't have true peace without a battle and without a war. And we've got to fight the spirits of darkness. He took the punishment that resulted in my peace. And with His stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to His own way. That's our iniquity. And the Lord hath laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. Would you stand with me? You know, however you feel about politics, we've heard it in the news and all this kind of stuff, about the trade imbalance between us and not just China, but other countries. In other words, they're sending all their stuff here, but we're not sending so much stuff to these other countries. And therefore, there's an imbalance of trade. Let me tell you something. The greatest trade imbalance ever was is between us and Him. Because all we're doing is giving Him our problems, our sorrows, our defeats, our struggles, and He just pours on power and love and mercy and forgiveness. Isaiah 61 is so beautiful. It's the prophecy that took place in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus returned. He said He went into the 
in the wilderness, but he returned in the power of the Spirit. He went to his hometown of Nazareth and he sat in the service that day and he took the scripture and began to read it. And he read right from here in Isaiah 61. He said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those that are bound. Wow, what a deal. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. Now here's where it really gets good. To comfort all who mourn. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what your battles are. But I know this, if you're troubled, if you're discomforted, He wants to give you comfort because He is the comforter. He is the comforter. Listen to this. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty, for ashes. Wow. You mean I can I can come and just give him all of my burnt over mess and he's going to give me beauty. You know what? Now sometimes that doesn't mean he's just going to remove all the ashes, but sometimes right in the middle of the ash heap, he can raise up something that will give him glory and give him praise. It's like the great Chicago fire that came through because Maggie O'Leary's cow kicked over one lantern and before you know it, there was the great Chicago fire. And you would think, what would they do in the midst of this fire? There's buildings that are here and you think, how are they going to get rid of all the rubble? But Pastor Kuhn, right in the midst of the rubble, they would push it to the side and they'd build another higher, stronger building. And that's exactly what God does in our lives. We can push the ashes to the side. We can push our defeats to the side. And God can raise up in the midst of all the defeats. He can raise up a monument in our lives that will give Him glory and give Him praise. He will give us the oil of joy for mourning. Hey, weariness and and problems and weeping may endure for the night, but there is joy that's coming in the morning. He's going to give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I don't care what you go through. And you know what? The anxiety that so many feel, and I was talking to to tomorrow about this she saw what happened in her country and she's scared she's seeing that happening right here again and the problem is America we haven't experienced that we hadn't experienced what third world countries when I was a foreign mission director my, my, my burden was to get pastors to go with me to foreign countries to see exactly what they experienced and I promise you when they came back they had a burden for missions they had a burden for missions but what God wants to do is when we get that heaviness if we'll begin to praise Him in the midst of the sorrow and in the midst of the heaviness 
And in the midst of the problems, He's going to put on us the garment of praise. Hallelujah. And before you know it, let me tell you something. All this election stuff and everything, if I would have focused on all of that, I would have been absolutely depressed. But I said, God, your peace is far greater than anything that you can. Would you give me your peace? And suddenly, He just lifted all that stuff. And I'm glad, so thankful for the peace of God that passes understanding. I don't have to understand this world. I don't have to understand my government. I don't have to even understand what's happening in my life. Because He understands. Can you close your eyes and lift your hands to the Lord? And in the midst of your heaviness, could you just feel Him put that spirit of praise that garment of praise around you. It's like taking off an old raggedy, scorched, cut, dingy coat and putting on a brand new warm coat because God, when we begin to lift our hands and our hearts to Him, the Bible said He inhabits the praise of His people. If you'll praise Him, no matter the circumstances. If you'll praise Him, no matter what. But you don't understand, Pastor. My 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 son, my daughter, my husband. There's things that are happening. My finances. If all that doesn't matter, right in the midst of all the shattered dreams, right in the midst of all the sorrow, you can lift your hands and begin to give thanks. For the Bible says, "Give thanks unto the Lord for all things." For this is the will of God concerning Christ Jesus. I want to praise Him for my blessings. I want to praise Him for my victories. I want to praise Him for all of that. But the only way I can get out of my rut is when I praise Him when things don't go right. When things don't look just right. When my finances, when I look at them and say, I don't know how it's going to work, but I want to be like Job. Though He slay me, yet shall I trust Him. Oh God, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Why in the world would the Lord do this for us? Why would God do this for us? And the very last verse really tells it. That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he may be glorified. God doesn't give glory, get glory out of your messes unless you know how to praise Him in the midst of the mess. He only gets glory out of your problems when you know how to respond like He wants you to in the midst of that problem. Oh, let's glorify Him right now as the praise singers sing right now. I want you to give glory to the Lord. And let's just practice that casting our care on Him right now. I have this confidence because 